Toronto's Irish community on AM 1430 Fairchild Radio. <laughs> this is Butler here from Ireland, and you're listening to Keologus Crack with Ken and Mark. Do you hear that now? Right. Welcome to Keologus Crack. Little what was Mayo, that? Did you kick Mayo, the Dublin City Ramblers. All right. Take me home to Mayo. Big game tomorrow. Massive. Probably one of the most anticipated May games in a long time. <laughs> Mayo Galway. Did you talk to your dad? How's he Fate, feeling? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course he's positive. Jersey's in the wash, is it? Yeah, and the hat is ready. The whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. They're cheering them on. Well, the lo- the big uh, big weekend for the local GAA as well. The season 2018 season kicks off with the league games today. I'll, I'll yes. talk a little bit about that today. And um, and there's a big celebration tonight. St. Pat's 50th. We've been announcing it now for a few months. Magic number. And uh, what a great segue into um, who we have in studio. We're actually... Uh, 
honour to have Ukron Common Luclas Gale in person in studio. Mr. John Horn, you're very welcome. Thanks for doing this. Thanks very much, Mark. Glad to be here. I want to get something out of the way here on the way over now. Can you tell everybody where your dad was born? Well, uh, as we were from. coming out in the car together, uh, <laughs> I picked up on your accent and you said we were from Abbey Leaks, and I actually said my own father was born and reared in Abbey Leaks and oh moved no. to Dublin to Brilliant. get to work. End of interview. Huh? End of interview. That's it, yeah. Stop while we're ahead. And right? just don't tell me you're a Joe Dolan fan, too. It'll really make his day. <laughs> I'll leave that with my wife. Okay, good. Oh, very good. Yes, I'm a huge, uh, a huge Joe Dolan. Whenever I do the music, just so you know, John, Joe Dolan will be there. Your lobby washed down, huh? Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, um, I know that uh, you and I have to rush out of here at about uh, 11.45. Uh, you have a very important uh, task today. You have to throw the ball in over at Centennial Park for the first game of the 28th season and of course you have a big night tonight as well but um thought we'd maybe have a bit of a chat with you about um you know just in terms of your own kind of characterization of the overall health of the GAA at the moment from you know from your perspective uh relatively new to the role and you know what kind of stuff is kind of keeping you awake at night in the role right now and you know is there uh, well actually nothing's keeping me awake at right. the moment, <laughs> to be good. quite honest um, yeah. the oh, airplanes at the hotel, hotel yeah. yeah no no <laughs> the GAA is in a very good position I think as an organisation both nationally and internationally uh, the membership participation and and the supporters that are attending matches and viewing the matches that are put out on the, the media outlets um, mm-hmm. there's a huge interest in GA it's very competitive I think this year we're heading into a whole new territory with the revamping of the hurling and the football championships and um, as the last year of my term comes up that's for review because they're both being done on a three-year trial basis so uh, one of my biggest tasks as president will be to engage with the whole organisation and get a full and thorough review done before we actually decide what road we actually pursue after this three-year trial period. Yeah. So how was that, the concept of this, the new format, how was that formed? Was it, was it, was it collaborative? Was it, was it uh, a, ver- a number of the counties coming together to decide on this? Or like yeah. h- how does something like that even start to become a reality? Well, there was an attempt in 2016 to bring in new proposals and they kind of fell flat. So emanating from that then, there was a proposal to um, bring in the new system of uh, quarterfinal series in the All-Ireland where you'll have two groups of four playing round robin. Mm-hmm. And um, that quarterfinal series then caught everyone's imagination and then there was a feeling that you know this has increased matches in football yeah. and Hurling will be somewhat left behind. So then there was a revamp of the actual provincial structure of the competitions in hurling and the uh, evolution now of the new John McDonough Cup which started off last week. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. When, um, <coughs> yeah, no, go, uh, go on. Yeah, yeah no, I was just going to ask you just kind of a question, perhaps you've kind of answered it in that way, but, you know, if you if you were to reflect when your term is over, like what, what legacy do you, do you really want to leave behind here? What What is it that you would kind of, would make you proud when you kind of finish this off? Like what work would you consider to have to have completed that would make you so proud at the end of it all? Well, uh, I kind of uh, outlined it in my address to Congress today I took over as president that uh, there's one big problem at home in terms of the academies and the elite squads in uh, Ireland that uh, 
we're actually creating a disconnect between 13, 14 and 15 year olds from their actual clubs. And unfortunately, it's probably not the young lads are really the real problem in all of this. It's predominantly the parents and the managers of these squads yeah. get carried away. The parents think they now have a son who's an intercounty star. The managers are trying to create a CV for themselves to become future intercounty managers or minor or senior level. And unfortunately, the pawn and the victim in all of this is the actual youngster. Yeah. And he get creates it creates a disconnect. So I have a, a group set up who uh, are meeting next week for the first time under the chairmanship of Michael Dempsey, Brian Cody's right-hand man. Jason mm -hmm. Sherlock is involved in it as well. James O'Connor, the former Clare Hurler, is also part of this group. So um, I've asked them and tasked them to come up with a solution as to how we actually roll back on this because we all talk about a disconnect between senior players and their clubs, but in actual fact we're creating that at underage level. So that's one area I'd certainly like to address. Um, the other areas then are the amateur status of the organisation needs protection. I think, you know, if we're to stay on what we are, a community club-based organisation, we can't have anything other than an amateur status because the size of the country and the size of the membership of the organisation just wouldn't sustain professionalism. Even the GPA mm -hmm. are in agreement with us on that. So it's, it's to address that amateur status. And you find a lot of counties and clubs that get themselves into financial difficulty is because they're either paying out a large amount of money on their senior inter-county team or on their club team and it's to try and push that tide back and, and save that and key to it all is to try and make the role then of running a GAA club much easier on the volunteers that actually do it because mm. we all know the changes in society with guard of vetting and child protection and these are important key things the onus and the burden they put on people in terms of yeah. running clubs and running teams and now with the data protection rules that are coming on board so it's not that we can push that back but it's how we can make it easier for these people to actually continue to be volunteers because unfortunately if you start losing volunteerism within clubs well then you're going to run into trouble because it'll be very hard to get it back and mm -hmm. I think once you start paying people it's very hard to push it back and then lastly probably if you're asking me for three I've given you two the third would be um, the revamp of the championships and I think we most definitely need a tier two competition in football but uh, I don't want to get into the ideas and yeah. the detail of that until closer to the time. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, big talking points no doubt uh, within the country. Uh, we hear it on radio all the time as we listen in so yeah, they're, they're going to be interesting years ahead for sure. You talk about the club piece though, your own club, Nafinia in Glasnevin, they must be first proud of you. First Dublin born Uchtheron since 1924 yeah, the last native Dublin man was a fellow called Dan McCarthy who took over in 1921, yeah. Um, Nafina would have always been a good, strong club with regard to its contribution to administration and that at county board level and national level. And um, I suppose I was lucky enough to um, kind of walk in the footsteps of people like Jimmy Gray and that who would have made a huge impact in Dublin and Leinster previous to me. We're probably unique as a club in that we've produced two provincial chairmen and I don't know if there's any other club in Ireland that would have produced two because Jimmy was. Jimmy was somewhat unlucky probably not to get elected president and probably more deserving of it than I am but uh, Jimmy had a, an idea in his head that uh, he was never going to canvass or look for a vote and uh, I suppose you learn from other people and I learned from Jimmy the thing to do is to go and do the canvass and get to know the people <laughs> and some people said I probably canvassed too hard because within days of being elected I ended up in the flat of my back in hospital but such is life I'm back hale and hearty again and well fit yeah, for the job yeah, now. Yeah. Well before we uh, before we kicked off the show um, one thing I didn't know until you, you mentioned it was that you actually coached the minor team the Dublin minor team back in 2005 
and you uh, blurted out some of the names that were on that team. Who were some of the players that would, would have been under your guidance? You can take a lot of credit for this now, I think, can you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would have always said it. Um, I got great enjoyment out of being lucky enough to come across some great players. Like, in a school context, I would have managed Kenny Cunningham, who went on to captain oh, yeah. Ireland's soccer team, and Ooh. he played Gaelic, and I actually convinced him to play for Dublin, but he got his contract to go to uh, Millwall. So that's the route Kenny went. Wow. Uh, Desi Farrell was in the same class as him in school. So we had a great time in school with those two young lads. Jason Sherlock came along afterwards, mm. Wayne McCarthy, Johnny Cooper. And I, I would say I was lucky. But the team in 2005 contained a, a large number of wholesale names that have developed now. Um, and I suppose we probably, if you look back, probably should have won um, a Leinster title. But we actually postponed the game against Leash to allow the hurlers have a free run into playing Wexford in a Leinster hurling final because mm-hmm. they bet Kilkenny in the semi-final. So we cancelled the game and played after the Leinster final. They went on and won the Leinster final. They celebrated a bit all right and the following week we went out and got caught short by Leash. And yeah. But we had eight dual players at the time. But yeah, no, very, very lucky to have come across yeah. players like Dermot Connolly, Philly McMahon, Darren Daly, Paddy Andrews, Johnny Cooper, yeah. Tomás Brady <coughs> and these, and uh, all guys that have gone on and won all Ireland medals. But, you know, yeah. often success at underage level doesn't necessarily transfer itself into adults. And uh, possibly those lads, when they finished their underage days, still had a hunger, and, and, and that's why they've stuck with it now. But Jim Gavin runs a great setup. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you're going to need some bodyguards tonight. There's going to be a massive... Mayo contingent to this event tonight, so just watch out. I'd say, you know, get <laughs> get yourself ready to get the body armor on. Get the body yeah. armor on because yeah. you've inflicted a lot of old pain there. Some of those names have inflicted a lot of pain <laughs> on the poor lads. Well, I hope my least connections might have you <laughs> on my <laughs> side <laughs> now. Although there's a suspicion you could be rolling in with the Mayo gang here tonight, so <laughs> I, might, I don't know. I I'm wondering. We'll <laughs> see might. how you turn out. He's marrying into Mayo, so <laughs> look out. Mm, <laughs> he probably yeah. didn't tell you that piece. No, he did. But in fairness, though, if you go back over, Dublin have won five All Irelands, but like. You know, if you, if you analyse them, like Kerry, they caught Kerry in 2011 when yeah. Kerry were four yeah. points ahead and started showboating a bit and they got over them by a point. Uh, they've beaten Mayo three times by a point, once after a replay. And you if know. you look at those three Mayo games, definitely Mayo had the win in the two of them. I think Mayo could have won last year and they yeah. certainly should have won probably the year they had the two own goals. And really, in, in, a, in a real sense, they bet Kerry one day in a very wet day by a goal, which was probably a merited win, and they bet Mayo again by a point, which was probably a merited win. But when you look at the other three, you know, Jim Gavin often makes the comment, uh, you know, it's that last 10, 15 minutes. What was the score in the last 10 or 15 minutes? And he, he'd often refer to it, Dublin won at 4-1, 3-1, 2-1, that yeah. they actually have that. I suppose it's, it's a thing of, have you got it in you to step over the white line when it really matters? to you to actually go on and win yeah, something yeah, like, and yeah. they seem to have that the lads but in fairness commitment dedication is huge on their part and uh, there's very little ego in it like no he um, brings them around the place brings them they, last year they spent a whole day in a hospice out in Batchardstown yeah, yeah, visiting yeah. patients and that so he keeps their feet very much underground yeah, brilliant well, we knew we do also have uh, the roses calling in. We do indeed. Yeah. So we'll uh, maybe do a bit of an old music here while sure. Petra gives us a call, and we'll, we'll let um, we'll let John also listen into how they all introduce themselves to uh, our listeners as well. Very good. What all have right. we got going on here now? Well, a bit of Galway, I think. Oh. <laughs> well, I took a stroll on the old long walk of a day. I met a little girl and we stopped to talk of a fine soft day And I ask you, friend, what's a fella to do? 
Petra. Good morning, Petra. Hi, it's actually Colomb. Oh, Hi, Colomb. Colomb. How are you? Uh, fabulous. How are you guys? Last year's winner. Yes. <laughs> very good. Very good. You yeah. had a good time in Tralee, did you? Oh, fantastic time. It uh, feels like it was just all a dream. It was amazing. Wow. That's you're wonderful. wonderful. And you're ready to give that sash up, are you? I am. You know, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, there are seven incredible women uh, this year. And, uh, yeah, um, I'm ready to pass the sash, as they say. All right. Well, maybe you can start by passing the phone. And maybe what we'll do is one by one, maybe you could have them introduce themselves and maybe just explain the, um, you know, one of the qualification criteria, of course, is uh, is Irish roots. And maybe yeah. you could get them to elaborate on that. And uh, we'll poke them with a few questions. We also have on the line the president of the Gaelic Athletic Association, John Horn. He's listening in, so um, he might have an opinion even after this interview, and we'll see what happens. He might he might be able to influence Paddy Power Odds, you know. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right. Okay, so I'll pass the phone. So, ladies, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your Irish heritage, okay? All right, who do we have first? All right, we have Neefer. Hi. Good morning, Neve. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you very much. All right, very good. And hopefully we'll be able to say that to you again down the road. Tell oh, us a little bit you. about yourself and your uh, your 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 Irish your qualification for the Rosa Tralee. Okay, so um, 
this is actually my second year participating in the Rose Festival. Um, but I am an Irish citizen. My mom was born in Galway and she lived there until she was about 16. Um, and my grandfather, who is Jimmy Carton, he uh, immigrated here in 1963 um, with his family. And uh, we've been back and forth ever since. My dad is actually a uh, Toronto native, but he became an Irish citizen when he married my mom. And both my siblings are also Irish citizens, and we go back all the time. You must have a good voice then, a granddaughter <laughs> of Jimmy's. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I do sing. Um, I'm actually a classically trained opera singer. So oh, I, oh. I try and honor him in that way. Well done. Wow. What, what's his name again? Uh, you you talk to him on the radio. Uh, who, who does the Rosa Tralee? I'm having a brain cramp on this. Who the man, O'Shea. O'Shea, yeah. yeah. Yes, oh, he'll yes. be impressed Dahi. with that. That'll, Dahi. Dahi will be. That'll be your party piece, will it? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice very one. good. Best of luck, Neve. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Cheers. Okay. Hi. Good morning. Who is this? Oh, sorry. I'm having trouble hearing you. Good morning. Who is this? Morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks. Great, thanks. Who is this? Um, this is Kylie Pagliani. <laughs> Hi, Kylie. Hi. C- congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm right. so excited to be part of this this year. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, your Irish um, roots. So, yes, my mother was born in Dublin, Ireland, and her entire family is from there. Um, we've, I've traveled there my whole life. I've probably been there around 10 times, so I really love going back there. All right. um, my mom actually put me also in Irish dancing when I was young, so... I've been an Irish dancer for quite quite a few years now. All right. Any medals? Um, yes, I actually just came back from the um, World Irish Dancing Championships in Glasgow, Scotland this year, and I got 22nd, so that was oh, amazing. fantastic. Congratulations. Thank well you so much. And what's your mum's name? Sorry? What is your mum's name? Uh, my mum's name is Dolores um, Pagliani, formerly oh. Dolores Cahalan. Okay, very good. Yeah. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. I'll pass you along now. Thank you. Hello. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Great. How are you? Uh, very good. Who is this? My name is Kylie McGrath. Hi, Kylie. How are you doing? Good. Congratulations. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I was actually born here in Toronto. My parents emigrated in uh, 1988 and they lived here for about seven years. And then we moved home when I was two to County Louth in Ireland. Mm-hmm. They are both Irish and born and raised. So when I was 21 and graduated university, I decided to come back over to see what it was all about. And I've been here ever since. Oh, very good. You left the parents at home, did you? I left them there, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you didn't leave your accent there. No, definitely not. All right. Very good. Best of luck to, best of luck to you, Kylie. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. I'll pass you along. Thank you. Hello. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Ina Targeting. How are you doing? Oh, good, Ina. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Very good. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Very uh, exciting. T- tell us a little bit. It's a bit of a no-brainer here, but tell us a little bit about how you qualify. <laughs> well, I can't be that obvious. No, uh, so I was actually born in London, England, to Irish parents, and then moved, moved back home to uh, Cavan when I was about six months old, and then I was raised in Ireland, and then when I was, same as Carly, when I was 21 and finished university, I came over here for the crack, and that was... Four years ago, and I've been here since, having a great out of time. The hokey. Now, so when you lived in Ireland, did you ever watch the Rosa Tralee? Oh, I did. Oh, did I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you just I'm looking serious. for a? Are you just I'm looking for a free flight it. home? Yeah, you're, you're you're going to come back, right? If you win, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've been I've been home a good few times now. I'm not a <laughs> not for a trip home, but not. But obviously, it'd be amazing to go. But uh, no, we're just here to have a great time and, and meet some great people and uh, yeah. 
That's right. great. What's your What's your party piece that you'll if you if you I, get over there you'll be impressing oh, Dahi with? Party piece. I don't know. Uh, I'm actually also a singer in more than me, but I would not be going anywhere near opera. To the train ones, but yeah, I'd sing out of tune if I had those ones. Good stuff, Ina. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much. I'll pass you along. Cheers. All right. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Who is this? Uh, my name is Kirsten Lee. Hi, Kirsten. Um, some, is there a ship in the background a, or something? Are you on a boat? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can I... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We just sorry, had a bit of interference there. Kill. Sorry, introduce yourself again. Oh, yeah. So her alarm was going off on the phone, so I couldn't hear you at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> who, who is this? This is Kirsten Lee. Oh, hi, Kirsten. Sorry about that. Kirsten, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm only second generation Irish, and I just applied for my Irish citizenship, so I'm hoping that goes through. Um, but uh, my grandfather was the first uh, president of the Toronto Irish Cultural Society, you know, Miss Tony Lee. So I'm uh, pretty excited to be representing him today. And uh, just like the other former rows here, I'm also an Irish dancer. I've been doing about 23 years, so <laughs> pretty excited. And uh, where is uh, Tony from? Um, uh, truly, actually. So he grew up in Kerry. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Very good. Yeah. Well, congratulations and the best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. I'll oh, pass you along. Thank you. Hello. Good morning. Who's this? This is Melanie Blundell. How are you doing, Melanie? I'm doing very well. How are yourself? That is a familiar surname. Are you related? Is, yes. Are, are you related to a former winner? I certainly am. She's my older sister. Oh, Lord. I, I think you have it. That's a, that's a little bit of an unfair <laughs> advantage there. <laughs> We'll see. All right. Well, remind us again. Uh, you're Katie's younger sister, are you? Yes, I am. And so remind us a little bit then uh, about your Irish background. So the Irish background comes from my grandfather, who was born in County Roscombe. Okay. And then he emigrated over here, had my father, and then my dad decided when we were younger to go back. Oh, and, wow. And uh, finished leaving certain junior search over there. Wonderful. Well, listen, if you win and you come into studio, if I recollect, um, your mum came to the studio with, uh, <laughs> and uh, her phone kept ringing. Right. So we had yes, to, So she's not welcome, dad. okay? <laughs> my dad was trying to find out what station channel Katie was going to be on. <laughs> that was him calling in, was it? <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Well, listen, the very best of luck good to luck you. Good luck to you. Thank you very much. And I hope you have a great morning. And that's it, is it? I believe so, yes. All right, pass us back to Colombe there. couldn't join us today. You want to pass us back to Colombe? Yes, of course. Here she is. All right. Hello again. Hey, Colombe. Hi. Okay, you're, you're in tough there. They sound. They all sound amazing. Oh, they are. They're incredible. All right. The judges so, are going to have another very, very tough uh, job. Yeah, well, that's the way you want it. Um, yeah. And so what are you up to for today? Yes, yeah, so we are going all around town. We actually just arrived at our first stop, uh, David Dunkley's Fine Millinery. So we're going to try on some beautiful fascinators. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Get those up on Facebook. Absolutely. All right. Colum, thanks a lot. Uh, they, they all sound wonderful and uh, look forward to hearing more about it. And uh, best of luck and uh, great work uh, to you and the committee here getting this all put together. And when is the big night? The big night is June 2nd. June 2nd. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. Yes, and we're almost out of tickets, so if Ooh. you're interested in coming, I suggest you get on that today. Right. Wonderful. Very good. Thanks a million. Consider it plugged. Okay. Yes, Thanks, Colum. Thank you so much. Okay. And it's the Toronto Irish Cultural Society website.
perfect. We we've been announcing it as well on the on the calendar. We'll get events. it out on the calendar yeah. again. Oh, Great. Okay. okay. Thanks, okay. Colm. Thank Have a good so day. Much. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. The pale moon was rising above the green mountain. The sun was declining beneath a blue sea. When I strayed with my love to the pure crystal fountain. That stands in the beautiful vale of Trolley. She was lovely and fair as the rose of the summer. Yet was not her beauty alone that won me. Oh no, it was the truth in her eyes. Ever dawning that made me love Mary, the rose of Tralee. The cool shades of evening, their mantle was spreading, and Mary, all smiling. Sat listening to me The moon through the valley Her pale rays was shedding When I won the heart Of the rose of Trolley She's lovely and fair As the rose of the summer Yet was not her beauty alone that won me. Oh no, twas the truth in her eyes ever dawning that made me love Mary, the rose of Trolley, that made me love Mary. Relief for the ladies. All right, very good, very good. All right, we're back in studio here with uh, Ukderon, uh John Horn. Well, John, one of the things that in particular uh, in our community we were very proud of is in 1990 we hosted we hosted uh, a big event down at the Sky Dome. And uh, one question I know, a burning question that our locals will always have, at least, is you know how realistic it would be to to be able to you know recreate an event like that here at the Sky Dome, bring over whether it's all stars, whether it's um, you know the league winners, the the um, you know, whatever that might look like. How realistic should we be about something like that um, even happening? And and what do you think would what do you think it would take really for for something like that to be pulled off again? Um, well, I, I wouldn't pour pour cold water on the idea in actual fact, um, because. The cycle of the All Stars tours have kind of, you know, has run out of a bit of momentum at home at the moment, and uh, but if such an an event was to happen again, 
I think the actual initiation of it would actually have to come from this side of the actual water yeah. in terms of people from here would have to come back to us back in Dublin yeah. and give us the proposal in the context of uh, mm -hmm. this is what we could offer and yeah. would the GAA engage and I'd certainly say the GAA will be open to negotiation and looking at it if the concept could be put together here yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I hope a few people were listening to that now. Yes, indeed. Brian yeah. Farmer's ears probably perked up there. But yeah, um, get, the, uh, get the pens out, start writing the letters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must, uh, it must do your, your heart and everything else good when you come out here and see that here's a club, St. Pat's, and there's been others, uh, obviously, but at a 50th year celebration, how the game is still continuing far away from home I'm sure a lot of people back home don't realise that unless they have a connection in Canada I mean we you always hear about the New Yorks but here we are in, in Toronto yeah no I suppose I, I um, after the, my first year teaching in 1982 came out and spent the summer in Calgary and played football with the lads out there in Calgary and we got to the Western American final actually down in San Francisco and uh, that actually gave me a huge understanding of what the importance was of the GAA internationally to communities because over there in Calgary, like it was training every Tuesday and Thursday night, similar to at home and on a Saturday, and then it was a big build up to the matches in Edmonton, Vancouver, and then eventually down at San Francisco. And uh, you could see the importance it was to the people and, you know, that the Irish community and even people who never were involved in the GAA at home actually found themselves associating with the GAA over here, more so than going playing soccer or rugby, right. if that was their sport at home. But I've been to uh, Australia, Abu Dhabi, Europe on a regular basis, and I get the whole importance of the GAA to the international community. And I think somewhat people at home don't fully appreciate it unless they actually come out and actually see what yeah, actually yeah. goes on and what's involved and like it's it's a fantastic occasion for the Pats to be celebrating 50 years and um, I was met in the airport last night and to be told uh, and you'll be back next year because Vincent's are celebrating their yeah. 70th so yeah. be more than delighted to come out and I think it's important that yeah. the position of the Uctoran of the organisation comes out and engages and, and recognises the importance of Gaelic Games internationally like there's 430 clubs throughout the world and to my mind they're all getting stronger rather than uh, weakening and disappearing after seeing there's more and more clubs developing like uh, a congress 25% of the vote of congress is made up of yeah. international units having representation of congress so it's important to the GAA but it's very important to the Irish people who are working overseas and the Irish people working overseas I suppose are there's a slight change in that. A lot of it is by choice now rather than necessity, which it would have been in previous times. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're dealing with a different kind of setup, but very important that we at home continue mm -hmm. to support the international units. Yeah, we went down, as we were mentioned, to New York last year to see uh, my own Sligo down there. But then again, Leitrim last weekend, the excitement down there, the crowds. <laughs> you know, is there expansion possibilities to any other place with New York and London, obviously? I mean, I know it's challenging from travel standpoint but what do you see the future in that in that uh, respect when you I, I think you know standards are a key thing to yeah. it as well like uh, you know London play in the in the senior championship but there are Lancashire and Warwickshire and they play in National League at a, at a much lower level um, I don't think anyone would block the participation of the competitions once the standards was there Europe did engage in the Leinster Junior Club Championship but again without any success like you know mm -hmm. what I mean but mm -hmm. uh, I mean whatever about the hype in New York about the whole playing of Leitrim and they really did fancy their chances yeah. this year mm -hmm. to get back home 
put to playing the next round of the Connacht Championship but certainly it cut the whole imagination of the media at home in Ireland too and everybody was talking in terms of Leitrim were <laughs> probably going to get caught but yeah. in fairness to the Leitrim boys they dug it out in the they end did, and got absolutely. the four points to save they themselves did. you know yeah, yeah. Brilliant. it was incredible actually to see there was a young fella interviewed uh, Shane Hogan I think was his name <gasps> who came up through the ranks born obviously in Brooklyn and came through the ranks and, and scored too on, on the weekend against Leitrim so it's good to see that type yeah. of development you know well I think you know a lot of the internationals realise units realise now that they have to kind of homegrown players have to be brought on yeah. and, and that's an important part of the whole development of the mm -hmm. game internationally that you just can't rely totally on people coming out from Ireland to actually play for you and I think people are realising too the concept of Paying players to come out and make up teams—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not about that either. That mm -hmm. doesn't really. There's, it's very hard to get an attachment to that in the communities out here, and I think people are looking at more of using their own players and grooming and growing their own players to play in these competitions. Mm -hmm. Right. From a from a <coughs> foreign standpoint, I mean, we've—I've taken Canadians back different times, um, whether it be golf or, and I've I've had the opportunity to get them to a, a Munster hurling final, and Canadians love. Gaelic, not only the football but the hurling as well. It's high scoring. It's fast. What about TV out here? How how can we get it on the on the television? Because you see things like Australian rules football. You see cricket. You see other sports that may not like bowling. And now there's poker on television. But a sport like Gaelic, uh, be it football or hurling. I think there's an awful huge opportunity to, to have that. Well, there is the opportunity there for people to go and, and, and buy a membership of GAA Go, yeah. and, and that gives individuals their own opportunity to watch matches. Probably TV networks don't buy into our competitions because of the complex nature mm. of the actual competitions because to explain to people that you play in a Leinster or a Munster Championship, you nearly have to understand that there's a provincial structure in Ireland, and then when you come out of that, uh, you know, there's a back door and, and whatever. And I'd say it's just not streamlined enough for TV networks to feel that they could get a run at the actual competition. I'd say that's probably one of the weaknesses why they actually don't buy into it. But mm. uh, like there are opportunities there through Diego for people to actually get mm. into matches such yeah. as, say, tomorrow. Anybody can latch into the kind of yeah. Mayo uh, game yeah, in terms yeah. of that, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, just going back to your previous, um, uh, we were, you were just talking about the homegrown element. And I mean, it's very likely, I mean, tonight you'll get cornered by several people, I can guarantee you, who, will, who, want, who want your opinion on that. Because, you know, the, the, the sanctions, the limited number of sanctions that are issued to clubs out here, of course, by design is to, is to create a, you know, a situation where you, you have to develop locally. And I think it's one thing that we struggle with a little bit in this community. We really only have one underage team here. We've tried. There have been several, and but now there's really only one. So, so it is an area of uh, I would say development, uh, something that really needs to be addressed here locally. Because what ends up happening now is when a when a club reaches its full uh, quota, if you will, of sanctions, uh, and two more come or three more come, and they want to play for that club, they're you know when the inn is full, the inn is full, and they're turned away. And of course, that's not good either, right? So, it is an interesting dilemma, right? So. Be a few lads tackling you on that one tonight now. Get your... Yeah, not I that you have all the answers, but you yeah. No, well, I suppose, look, I mean, when you look at the size of the city of Toronto and then you look at making facilities available mm. to actually, you know, 
let people gather and you have to gather in numbers that are of a meaningful size that does create its problems so yeah logistically I, I can understand it is a difficulty on the ground probably you know the one juvenile club setup is probably in lots of ways probably a good idea in and then let players go back to the to the adult clubs because mm. you do need capacity like a lot of people give out about you know Dublin stretching ahead of everybody else back home the one big advantage Dublin have over every other county is they have capacity that yeah. they're able to have an under 14 division with eight A teams in it where yeah. other counties would maybe have two teams or yeah. three teams of that standard and they just keep playing against each other so mm. it, it's capacity is is key yeah. to this and uh, maybe the one club model and then Toronto you know play other cities in the context of their team but look there are logistic difficulties in terms of mm-hmm. you know size and you know population yeah wonderful good well listen we're going to try to uh, get John out to uh, Centennial Park um, thank you so much for doing this um, thanks man great yeah, for no our problem, great welcome. for the profile of our show I won't uh, I won't lie <laughs> and uh, it's just wonderful to have you here and it's always great to talk to a um, you know to talk to a a fellow GEA man and a fellow Irishman, and it's just wonderful to have you here and uh, have a great night tonight. It's a, a real milestone for that for that club, and uh, I think it's very important for them that you're here, and I think it's fantastic you've made the trip, um, that you've prioritised it that way. So thank you. Delighted to do it. I'm sure if I'm back next year, you never know. Yeah, that's uh, We all might have won the All-Ireland in the <laughs> oh, yes. to be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, if there is any way, is there any way that you can somehow, while you, like, get this, uh, somehow pave the way for a Leash Sligo All-Ireland final? Could you fix that? <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> there's a man in another country not too far away who probably has presidential decree powers, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. All right. Thanks a million, John. Bye bye. The Quinn family invite you to visit downtown Toronto's oasis of Irish hospitality at the Irish Embassy, 49 Young Street at Wellington, and PJ O'Brien's at 39 Colborne, just behind the King Edward Hotel. The Irish Embassy, a landmark of classic architecture, is your downtown destination for drinks, snacks, lunch, or dinner. Call 416-866-8282. And just around the corner, enjoy the local pub atmosphere of PJ O'Brien's, serving the best in pub fare and also your downtown venue for an intimate evening dinner. PJ's has live music every Friday and Saturday night. Call PJ's at 416-815-7562.
Think of Irish tradition, what comes to mind? Live music, great hospitality, and a pub atmosphere of laughter and song imported from the Emerald Isle itself. And one of Ireland's greatest imports is the Keane family, serving up the finest fare and crack this side of County Galway since 1991 at the Galway Arms. The family-owned pub has been charming patrons since, well, last century, and as a result attracts some of the GTA's greatest Irish characters. Known far and wide for its chef-designed menu and traditional Irish music, it's also Toronto's home of Gaelic games live from Ireland on the big screens. You can like them on Facebook, and you're sure to like them in person. Visit thegalwayarms.ca to view daily specials. The Galway Arms, your home away from home, and not too far from home, at 838 The Queen's way in Etobicoke. Call 416-251-0096. Make a date and make it for the Galway Arms. 
Very good. Yes, get down to the Galway Arms. And again, thanks a million to Uktharan, John Horn, for coming in and spending time with myself and Mark. Mark's got him off to Centennial Park now. Things have been shifted around a wee bit on the show this morning, but better late than never. And we have Desmond going to bring us the news from Ireland. Good morning, Desmond. Or it's almost good afternoon today. Yes, that's right, Ken. Uh, I think this is the latest on the show, but still glad to be on the show with you guys. Uh, thanks, Ken. Desmond DeVoy here, folks, with the news from Ireland for this morning. The news is brought to you by our friends at Aer Lingus. And here are the top stories that are making headlines in Ireland. Our top story this morning, Tishuk Leo Varadkar has had to apologize. Antonio O'Brien has had to step down as the Director General of the Health Service Executive as the fallout from the cervical check cancer controversy continued this week. In his resignation statement, O'Brien says that there was a clear communication failure which led to the false positives being made and cancer screening for more than 200 women. There is also a preliminary inquiry underway into the scandal, which is being headed up by Dr. Gabriel Scali, according to RTE News. Varadkar apologized to the women who were given the wrong results and said that the HSE should be about, quote, saving lives, not saving face. Varadkar also offered a support package for the 209 women who were failed by the scheme, according to the Irish Sun. Bereavement counselling will also be made available to 17 women who died before finding out about their false negative results. Limerick mother of two, Vicky Phelan, exposed the scandal last month when she took the HSE and a U.S. laboratory to the High Court over a botched smear test. She settled her civil action for 2.5 million euros after being incorrectly told in 2011 that her smear test had given her a negative result for cancer. Bradcar was almost in tears when he answered a question about mother of five Emma McTuna, who, was, who now has terminal cancer despite getting the all clear in the smear test in 2013. Her gynecologist told, her, told the County Kerry resident that if her abnormal test had been picked up in 2013, she would not be in the position she is in now with a cervical cancer diagnosis in 2016, according to RTE News, with the cancer returning now to her bones. I'm dying when I don't need to die, she told RTE Radio 1 this week. She'll be meeting with President Michael D. Higgins this coming Wednesday so we can hear her concerns about the health system. She has also given Gardy a statement asking for a criminal probe of the HSE. The Iraqis heard for the first time this week about a HSE memo that flagged potential errors in screening tests back in 2016. In entertainment news this morning, Ireland's entry to the Eurovision Song Contest is generating a lot of buzz, but you likely would not have seen the Irish entry's music video if you were watching the contest in China. The European Broadcasting Union has terminated its contract with Chinese broadcaster Mango TV after it failed to broadcast Ireland's Eurovision entry, according to the Irish Independent, during the semi-finals. On Tuesday, the Chinese broadcaster edited out the Irish Eurovision entry after it depicted a gay relationship. Ryan O'Shaughnessy's performance of the song Together qualified Ireland for the final for the first time in five years. It is the first time in the contest 63 years that a same-sex couple couple has been featured. China has strict broadcast rules against broadcasting any depiction of gay relationships. O'Shaughnessy, in an interview on BBC4, said he welcomed the decision, love is love, he said. Well, after last week's hiatus, we're back at it again with our weekly Local News Matters segments, and we head north to Ulster. The Ballymena Guardian reports that Port Naglone's new £1 million sports facilities were opened by Gaelic Athletics President Association President John Horan this week, who went there before he came to Toronto. The Antrim Village has waited nearly 20 years for the enhanced facilities. 
In County Cavan, they may call it the drink link, but five new evening and night buses are aiming to operate in rural areas of Cavan and Monaghan starting next month in an effort to tackle social isolation and drunk driving. The Anglo-Celt newspaper reports that the trial service will run from 6 to 11 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. Still in Cavan, a terminally ill American bus driver has realized a lifelong dream of visiting Ireland thanks to a Cavan woman. Kilishandra woman Pauline McDermott runs the popular Ireland of a Thousand Welcomes Facebook page, and Catherine Doyon of Plymouth, Massachusetts, posted a message explaining her desire to visit the island, her medical problems, and her Irish heritage. Pauline, a singer and promoter, set up a GoFundMe page and raised more than 4,000 euros to make the trip a reality, according to the Anglo-Celt. Catherine visited Cabra Castle, Westport, and Marble Arch Caves and other locales during her trip with her son and daughter. Emma Martin from Drumconrath County Cavan dropped by to play harp music at the castle for the occasion. Well, County Armagh attracted its own special visitor this week, hours before his May 9th concert in Belfast. Singer-songwriter Ed Sheeran caught fans by surprise as he enjoyed six holes of golf in Art Glass and enjoyed fish and chips for lunch at the Buck's Head in Dundrum, according to the Down Recorder. Sheeran was generous with selfies, cutting short his golf game in order to accommodate fans after he had done his round of golf. 200 fans, about 200 fans rather, showed up on the green to catch a glimpse of the shape of you singer. And finally, we end off with a trip to the top, where a Rapoe farmer has been named as the milk supplier of the year. The Donegal Democrat reports that Lorna Fitzpatrick was named the top supplier at the Orivo Milk Quality Awards. She is the first woman to win an award since they started 11 years ago. The awards were handed out at the Radisson Hotel in Sligo on May the 9th. Lorna and her husband Paul and their three children took over the farm from Lorna's parents in 2016. Last year, the family marked 148 British Frisian cows, producing about 6,000 litres of milk. And there you go, folks. That was the news from Ireland for this week, coming to you from the Perth Farmers Market on the shores of the Tay Basin in downtown Heritage Perth. It's on till 1 p.m. The news, the news is brought to you by our friends at Aer Lingus. Travelling to Ireland and Europe has never been easier with Aer Lingus's year-round direct service from Toronto to Dublin, with connections available from more than 10 Canadian cities to Dublin. Smart flies Aer Lingus. Find out more online at www.airlingus.com. That's www.aerlingus.com. Now you're up to date. Now it's back to Toronto with Keolagus Crack. So until next week, folks, plan go foil. Now arriving in Canada, Guinness Hop House 13, all the way from the Open Gate Brewery at St. James Gate in Dublin. Double hopped for a more flavourful lager, from the first sip to the crisp finish. Earning its name from the original Hop House 13 at St. James Gate. Available at select pubs and now arriving across Canada in 500ml cans. Guinness Hop House 13. More hops, more taste, more character. All right, folks, here we go with the uh, calendar. Uh, as I say, we're a little bit behind here today, so I may not get a chance to give out all the numbers, but let me give you this. The Great Famine Voices Roadshow is to be held at St. Michael's College on Tuesday, May the 22nd, between 5 and 9 p.m. at Madden Hall, Car Hall, 100 St. Joseph's Street in Toronto. And you can get your information at Celtic Studies. Um, if you go there, send them an email, celtic.studies at utoronto.ca. 
There's also a two-day symposium entitled The Famine, Irish and Forced Migration. And that's going to be held at the Archives of Ontario, York University at the Keele campus in Toronto between May 22nd and May 23rd. You can get more information on that at uh, www.irish-famine.info.yorku.ca. And again, Celtic Studies will help you out there. And you can get all this information on our website. The annual dance weekend is coming up May 25th to uh, 27th. Open Door Cayley is having their annual dance weekend at the Royal Canadian Legion, Todd Morden Branch, number 10. And that's at 1083 Pape Street. They've got Kevin and Carl Monaghan coming in to do all the teaching, and we will have them on the show, I believe, next week. So tune in and hear from them. You can get more information from Geraldine and Mary, and again, the phone numbers are on our website. There's an open Cayley, there's workshops and closing Cayleys as well. The Chieftains Golf Tournament is coming up on May 26th at the Annandale Golf Club at 8 a.m., $110 per golfer, and that includes a steak dinner. And, of course, a very important event, an annual event in the town, is the St. Vincent to Paul Sunday uh, it's the afternoon uh, tea and concert event on Sunday May the 27th at 2.45pm at the Holy Rosary Church at St. Clair Avenue tickets are uh, $20 seniors are $15 entertainment of course by Ethna and Hugo the annual walk to the stone is taking place in Montreal this is uh, uh, going to be a mass and there'll be music and entertainment afterwards as well. Give Alan a, a call there. The Irish Cultural Society, you heard from the ladies today. They're having their big event and you can give Sinead Canavan a call at 416-358-4831. And as you heard on the show earlier, tickets are all but sold out. So if you want to get in on that, please give Sinead a shout there. The uh, Ireland Canada Chamber of Commerce Golf and Social Society is taking place starting on Saturday, June the 2nd. You can get in touch with Rory, rory50 at gmail.com. The Cork Association Pub Night is coming up, and that is on Saturday, June the 9th at the Galway Arms. There'll be loads of fun and music and uh, dancing. The whole bit of crack down there at the Galway. Starting at 8pm, admission is $10, and it goes towards the uh, Cork's annual participation in the Toronto uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade. And June 21st to 24th, the Sudbury Irish Arts Association are planning a tour of Gross Eel. They will be making a stop in Toronto to pick up folks as uh, they go down there. And they'll also be taking in the Plains of Abraham and the Old Quebec City. And uh, again, all phone numbers and email addresses and websites are on our website, SaturdayIrishRadio.com. We're almost done, folks, for another show. That hour just flew by. Again, thanks to John for uh, coming in to see us, and thanks to all the ladies participating in the Rose of Tralee. Good luck to them all, and we wish them well on their uh, on their big night. And uh, we're going to go out. Of course, it's Mother's Day here in Canada, and uh, in North America, I suppose. So happy Mother's Day to all the mammies out there. And Phil McGovern, our local, our local musician around here from Tyrone, sent me a few uh, a few tracks, and one of them was a, a Happy Mother's Day song. So we'll go out with that one, Phil. Thanks for uh, for getting that into me. And uh, folks, we'll chat to you next week. And good luck to Leinster in the European Cup final. It is just kicked off. Someone to guide me, you are always there. You fill my heart with joy. You take away despair. Even in the darkest day, you make the sun shine through. On this Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to you. 
Every Saturday from 11 a.m. to noon. 